You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel, lady. Jason Fitz flying solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Love it when you guys chime in, hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. You can always hit us there uh, at, uh, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. That's the way you get to us. So uh, that's always the easiest way for you guys to uh, get in on the fun. Uh, I got a tweet from Jay Schneider, uh, sorry, Jay Schindler on the uh, Dr. Pepper Twitter feed that said, nice segue from Gruden to Tyreek. Why not continue judging while you're up on your pul- pulpit? Cool, Jay. I will. It's my show. So I got the microphone. And that's my, those are my thoughts on Gruden. If you don't like it, tune in to somebody else. Like, all good. Like that, that's the joy of media. There's plenty of us out there. So if you don't like what I have to say, find somebody you do like and support them. But in the meantime, if the, if the hill I'm going to die on is not accepting a half-ass apology from a coach for the things that he was caught saying, I'm comfortable dying on that all day, every day. And that's as the guy in the room that has a Raiders tattoo. So if you don't like it, I don't really care. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Serena Williams, by the way, love everything Serena does. She is up 5-4 in the first set. She's doing it. She's doing the thing. Taking on the number two seed in the U.S. Open. So uh, she was, uh, th- There's there was plenty on the line. She was favored. Uh, what was it? Uh, I can't read the screen. Uh, she was favored. Mine one is 55 on the live betting yeah, she's line. She's now favored minus 155. Oh, on wow. Where was yet. she when it started? Do you know? She was not favored to win, I don't believe. Oh, the betting is changing. The betting is changing. That tells you something. Tells you we're all up in our fields. Kevin Winter update anchor had her at plus 200 before the match. Oh, wow. Kevin Winter. You know what? Everybody's got that friend, you know, that, like, you need to keep hanging around uh, because they're going to get you the, the right way on it. Kevin Winter. He's that guy. Uh, famously, we once uh, found ourselves betting on uh, a Hartford Yard Goats game in between innings when the little kids were running the bases in goat outfits, and we were all betting. Kevin, that – it doesn't surprise me Kevin got, got in on this one. We'll keep you updated on Serena. Uh, she's up 5-4 in the first set. Uh, and I, I think I speak for the whole world when we're just we're rooting for her. At least everybody in America is. In the meantime, it is time to take some takes uh, to task. That's how we're going to say this. Dan Graziano has got an article out there on a take for each team. So we're going to turn it into some good take, hot take. All right, we're going to bring producer extraordinaire Devin in here. Devin, Devin you're going to set up the topic. We'll uh, we'll figure out whether it's good take, hot take. You feel good about this? You ready for the moment? I love it, yes. Okay. All right, first up, All Carolina right. Panthers. Mm-hmm. Dan Graziano writes, don't be surprised if the Panthers sneak into the playoffs. Is that a good take or is that a hot take? Oh, my God, that's the hottest of takes, Dan Graziano. What are you doing? Like, that's that that's fiery hot, right? Like, I, I what are we doing, Dan? The the hot take here is that I now want to party with Dan Graziano because whatever he's partying with, right, running right. I mean, Dan, what are we doing? How do you get from that? I, I want Matt Rule to be successful. I genuinely do, and and I want uh, great things for Baker Mayfield just because it, it's it's another thorn in the side to so many people at the quarterback position. I, I love that. I love I love the opportunity for a real Disney ending here. I just don't see how we even find that. Like, you have to put so many stackable moments together here. Like, Christian McCaffrey suddenly has to be healthy all year. That doesn't really happen, right? Uh, Baker Mayfield's going to have to have a resurgence in his career on an offense that he barely knows, okay? Matt Rule's going to have to finally get that, air quotes, culture to click. Like, it'd be a great story. I'd be all in on it. But Graziano coming out fiery hot out of the gates. All right, Deb, what you got next on Good Take, Hot Take? All right, next team up is the Miami Dolphins. Dan Graziano writes, don't be surprised if Jalen Waddell and not Tyreek Hill is the team's leading receiver. Is that a good take or is it a hot take? Oh, that's a good take. I mean, how do we how do we qualify leading, right? But 
Uh, Tyreek Hill is going to be out there doing what Tyreek Hill does, getting open all over the place and creating openings for everybody else. I think Jalen Waddle is going to feast. Like Jalen Waddle is is the the absolute. He's the turkey Thanksgiving dinner. Like every, he's going to get the most uh, most action. And then Tyreek is going to turn around and be all of the other sides. Maybe they're better, and maybe you like them more. But the turkey is what feeds everybody. I guess the question is: is the lee is the leader in yards? Let's say, are they going to be at the top of the NFL with Tua, or is this going to be? Yeah, they're leading their team, but it's, it's the middle of the road. Yeah, they're going to be leading their team in the middle of the road. Like the Dolphins, the Dolphins eight and a half is what Vegas thinks they're going to win. Uh, I'm I'm under on that uh, only because I think there's too much pressure on Tua. Sorry, Dolphins fans. I you know again. I love it when the Dolphins are good. Let's go to the next story here. All right, next one up. Atlanta Falcons. Dan Graziano writes, don't be surprised if Desmond Ritter starts at least one game at quarterback this year. Is that a good take or a hot take? That's a hot take. Um, hot, 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 hot. I'm presuming he's presuming that Marcus is going to get hurt at some point. Mariota, the starter there. I, here's the thing. I wrote a uh, as part of a panel for NFL Prop Bets a couple of weeks ago that's out on the chalk site for ESPN. And they asked over-unders that I liked. So passing yards. Like, uh, the category was overall passing yards, and do you think this quarterback will have more or less than those passing yards? And I think uh, the number on Marcus Mariota was like 2,200. So I called three people that I think have pretty good insight into the Falcons separately. And I didn't tell them anybody else's answers. And I said, is Marcus going to be the starter all year? All three of them, without hesitation, said, yes. Marcus Mariota is going to be the starter. Desmond Ritter is going to be slowly developed. And frankly, if Mariota can stay healthy, I know that's a big if. If Mariota can stay healthy, I think he has a pretty good year. So I think I'm bouncing on the bounce. I'm betting on the bounce back this year. That was hard for me to say. So that makes that a hot take. All right, next up, Buffalo Bills. Dan Graziano writes, don't be surprised if the Bills lead the league in sacks and takeaways. That's a a good good take. take. That's a good take, Dan. I don't think there's a, a defense in the league I believe more in than Buffalo, right? And the, the when you're a chaos creator, uh, anything's at your fingertips. And that's what the Bills are. The Bills are chaos creators defensively. Uh, when you combine that with Josh Allen, like, I, it's, it's kind of funny. The Bills spent so many years not being a great football team, and now they're so good that we just gloss over in the – the pack of teams that are all sort of, you know, shrunk up together uh, in the AFC, we just sort of gloss over the fact that Buffalo is clearly better than all of them. I mean, I think Buffalo is clearly the one seed. They clearly come in with high expectations, and Buffalo should be competing for a Super Bowl, unlike earlier what we said with Dallas. I think it is now now is the window for Buffalo, and that defense is a big part of why. Got time for one more? Fitz. Yeah. I mean, come on. We couldn't leave without, you know, getting your beloved Raiders in here. Oh, let's go. I think you're going to like this. I, I think I know your answer. Dan Graziano writes, don't be surprised if Derek Carr eclipses 5,000 passing yards. Is that a good take or a hot take? Uh, that is a good – that's a very good take by Dan Graziano. That's not just a, a, a good take. That is a very good take. Uh, look, I, look, I'm a homer, and I'm a big uh, Derek Carr fan. You guys know that. have been for a long time. But think about it. Last year, in 2021, he passed for 4,800 yards. In 2020 – he passed for 4,100 yards, and Zay Jones was his top receiver. I mean, I, we haven't seen this sort of uh, amount of weapons around Derek Carr since 2016. And obviously, you know, the, the way they were throwing the ball that year was different. But when he had Coop and Crabtree, Derek Carr looked virtually unstoppable at times. I, I think in Josh McDaniel's offense with Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, 
And Devontae Adams, oh, 5,000 is a very good expectation. It's why I continue to say that Derek Carr for MVP, although I don't think he will be the MVP, there's too much value in it for me not to try and bet that. It's just it, it, there, there's too much opportunity. If the Raiders win 10 or 11 games and he throws for 5,000 yards with the number one offense in the NFL, Derek Carr is going to be an MVP candidate. There's no two ways about it. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're a renter, Make sure you're protected. Renter's insurance includes options that cover stolen property, personal injury, and living expenses if your place is damaged. Quote renter's insurance at progressive.com. All right, Graziano, not not bad. Go check the article out on the dot com. Uh, I know everybody always gets fired up about the takes, but he gives one for every single team. So no matter what your favorite team is, you want to get out there and then you want to troll them on Twitter. That's the that's the way that all works. In the meantime, it's not it's not surprising the betting is taking the sports world by storm. So we're going to debut a new segment next that's going to get you ready for betting in college football. But I'm telling you this, I promise you this, you will never find a more simple, easy to understand, right down your alleyway to dip the toes into the water than what we're about to give you on some of the biggest games in college football this weekend. That's coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz flying solo. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo, presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got a doozy, an absolute doozy. Do kids still say doozy? I don't know. We got a match for the ages right now. Serena, as we told you tonight, uh, taking on the number two seed in the U.S. Open. Currently the first set, 6-6. They are in the tiebreaker, tied 2-2, and it is just a back-and-forth match. Like, this is everything that you could hope for and more as Serena tries to assert her dominance and continue her run in the U.S. Open. I don't think anybody behind the scenes at this show, I don't think anybody working on my show is actually paying attention anymore. They're all just watching the TVs because Serena's in action. That's what's happening, but we will keep you updated on it for sure. Now, I want to have a little bit of fun, and we're going to have a little bit of fun talking about two things that I care a lot about, college football and gambling. Hear me out, okay? I know that a lot of people, when they start to hear gambling content, their eyes just sort of glass over and you don't know what it means and it gets overwhelming. I'm not going to do that for the next couple of minutes. Instead, we're going to take a look at some of the biggest games in college football. All right. Over the course of this weekend, we're going to look at some of the biggest games. And instead of just looking at the outcome, which we will do, we're also going to give you one little nugget that you could take and use in an app tonight if you want to bet on it. Okay, why do I say tonight? It's important you do tonight. This is a weird gambling thing that a lot of people don't know, but as you get closer to the to Saturday, the lines may change. So today, that means like as more money comes in for one team or the other, suddenly the, the point spreads might change. So today's a good day to get in action. And as a result, we're going to have a little bit of fun with what we're calling betting for everyone. All right, so we're going to take a look at some of the biggest games. The biggest game of the weekend, no doubt, Ohio State taking on Notre Dame. Now, Ohio State has the best and biggest offense in the country. They, 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 they can score on anybody from anywhere, anyway. What makes this game interesting is that the point spread is 17 and a half. So what does that mean? That means in Vegas, they've decided that Ohio State's not just going to win. they got to win by more than 17 and a half. That's a huge number. That's a historically large number. Now you start thinking about what that means for Notre Dame. I was talking to my buddy Mike Golick Jr. last night. One thing Mike was talking about was the ability for Notre Dame to control the clock. Can they run the football? They got a running quarterback. They got a big beefy offensive line. Can they run the ball? That's going to be the key in all of this because I think every time Ohio State touches the ball, they might just score. 
Like, Ohio State might score every single possession in this game. And it's not because Notre Dame's bad. It's that Ohio State's offense is that good. And frankly, I think Ohio State's on a mission straight from God. So, if Ohio State's coming in with the fire of the gods into this season, telling everybody we're tired of the Michigan talk, we're tired of all of the the credit we're giving uh, to Alabama, we want to be a national championship caliber team, and they are, then their great offense is going to show up and show out. So even though Notre Dame right now is the largest underdog as a top five team we've seen, I still say Ohio State wins this game by more than 17 and a half. This is not about Notre Dame. This is about Ohio State. That's the one thing everybody's got to remember. When we get to the end of the year and people are screaming about, well, Notre Dame got their butt kicked by Ohio State. Cool. Everybody did by then. And I don't know why that's the voice people screaming, okay? But that's one easy way to dip your toe this weekend. The biggest game of the weekend, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and I think Ohio State's going to make a massive statement, even though even though Notre Dame head coach uh, Marcus Freeman has made it clear they're using the point spread as motivation. I can use the point spread as motivation if I decide I want to play basketball on campus against Jay Will. It's not going to help me. He's still going to kick my ass. That's what's going to happen. All right, so now you get the context of it. Let's take a look at another game everybody's talking about, Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz flying solo. Oregon, Georgia. Oregon, Georgia. So now everybody knows Georgia's coming off of a national championship, right? So uh, Oregon's coming off a national – sorry, Georgia's coming off a national championship – Oregon out there trying to uh, trying to make some things happen, trying to rep the, the future of the Pac-12, right? Well, Oregon is a 17-point underdog for Georgia, against Georgia. Again, a huge number, and I'm good with it because I don't think there's any team in all of college football this year right now that's more pissed off than Georgia. Think about every single magazine you're reading, every single college football live you're watching – Every single show is talking about, oh, Alabama, Ohio State. Oh, yeah, Georgia's over here, too. They just won a natty. They just won the championship, and we don't seem to care. And let's layer on to that. Oregon, Oregon's got a new coach, all right? He was the defensive coordinator at Georgia last year, for anybody that doesn't know. And Oregon has a new quarterback, Bo Nix. Bo Nix comes to them from Auburn. What's the most famous thing Auburn, Bo Nix ever did at Auburn? Beat Oregon. Now he's got to beat. Uh, he's got to be the quarterback for Oregon, and he's got to go into a situation where all that dude does is throw interceptions on the road. All right, this is essentially they call it neutral site. It's not. It's essentially a home game for Georgia. Georgia's favored by seventeen, and I think the Bulldogs want to come out and just absolutely thrash from day one. So I'm taking Georgia to win by more than seventeen. See, this is simple. Uh, uh, how we do it, Devin? Devin likes to dabble in this, Devin. So far, we feel like we're pretty clear. Yeah, Everybody, yeah? yeah it's digest- digestible. I, you know, I think you're doing a good job. Keep going. Okay, uh, just making sure you feel good about this because the next one that really has me confused is Utah and Florida. And sometimes you see it and you're like, what the hell does Vegas know that the rest of us don't know? Utah is the number seven team in the country this year. All right, Utah last year was really good, really good. They lost a couple of players to the draft. They're taking on an unranked Florida team at home. And according to Vegas, Utah is only favored by three. Now, you want to talk about a leap. Billy Napier is the new coach at Florida, and everyone's like, hey, he's going to be a lifesaver. He was great at Louisiana. What the hell does that have to do with playing at the Swamp? Nothing. Nothing. Look, I've been to the Swamp. I I was out there a couple of years ago. I have never felt my feet shake the way they shook at the Swamp. I'm not going to lie. I had no idea. I was out there with game day. We did countdown to game day in the morning that night. It was a terrible crowd, by the way. Countdown to game day crowd in Georgia was awful. There was nobody there. I was like, this is going to suck. 
I walk into the stadium. I look around. I'm like, this, I was wrong. Does not suck. And then the whole stadium just starts shaking. Like, it feels like the thing's about to just fall apart. And I get it. If you're, if you're, you know, what we perceive stereotypically for so many kids playing football in Utah, you're just, you know, a good old kid from Utah coming out here in the swamp, you might be overwhelmed. Nah. Utah is flat out a better football team. All they have to do is win by more than three and you win money? That! Now that is what we call simple. Oh, that's what we call simple. We just have an update. Breaking news. Serena Williams just won the opening set of her matchup. She just won 7-6 in the tiebreaker. So she is up one love, one nil, one one love. We'll go love, right? We go love. Is that what we do here? You can tell I'm a tennis fanatic, right? <sighs> Spade and Fitz, Jason Fitz, my solo Devin's now laughing at me. Uh, Cincinnati taking on, what, I'm getting booed? Billy's booing me? Oh, you people. You people are just difficult. Cincinnati, Arkansas. Cincinnati, number 23, Arkansas, number 19. Cincinnati is favored over Arkansas, in Arkansas, by six. So that means that somebody somewhere has decided that going to Arkansas is not going to be a big deal for a Cincinnati team that no longer has their main quarterback or running back from last year. I know Cincinnati has been fun to cover the last couple of years, but early in the season, so is Arkansas. Arkansas's defense last year could flat out play. Play. Early on, I did it. I bit. I went for Arkansas early in the season. I was like, they're going to surprise people. And then the wheels fell off, right? The wheels fall off midway through the season every every single year with Arkansas. And I've learned my lesson. After midseason, I'm out on Arkansas. But this isn't after midseason. This is week one. Week one, Cincinnati at Arkansas. Cincinnati favored by six. Hell no. Take Arkansas. See, that was simple. Betting for everybody. If you have questions, you can hit me up at Jason Fitz. I love talking to you guys about this stuff. And don't forget the college football show is going to be returning on Saturdays. It's going to be from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on the ESPN app, digital uh, platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all over the place. I'm going to be hanging out with Alabama National Championship uh, quarterback A.J. McCarron every single Saturday. You do not want to miss it. So make sure you get there for all your college football needs. In the meantime, where do my beloved Raiders fit into the AFC West? And what's the message internally with Alex Leatherwood gone first-round pick? I'll answer it next with an expert, Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Serena Williams in action right now in the U.S. Open. She won set number 176. She trails in the second set. 2 nothing, 2 nil. <laughs> the guys are laughing at me. So look, peek behind the curtain. You know, I, I, I've never been dishonest with y'all i know what i know i know what i don't right like i think it's important that we be honest like i used to watch a lot of wimbledon when i was a little kid playing the violin because it was the only thing on in the summer so you would like have it muted and you'd play uh you know but but also being from vegas andre agassi was like a rock star from vegas right like so that's that's really the extent of my uh tennis uh billy would you would you how would you you want to phrase this better for me buddy billy's i can't phrase it better but i just find it comical Uh uh-huh watching you try well i mean that that's probably you did it with so much confidence thank you so much uh it is the confidence i think it's the confidence of how you speak but you clearly don't know well also let's be let's be very clear about here you live you live in the south long enough you learn to say like anything and people will just absolutely buy it so if you're talking to a bunch of southern boys in a bar and you're like serena's up seven six first round uh, two nothing trail in the second nobody's gonna correct you on that they're just gonna be like yeah it sounds right sounds about right uh, i'm just saying Fair. 
I don't know why I went deep south with my accent on that, but uh, that's a part of my, my charm. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, it, it's an interesting time for a lot of teams right now because change is inevitable in the NFL, right? And uh, one thing that, that is not lost on me is, you know, my beloved Raiders have drafted poorly uh, for years. It's actually kind of crazy to me that a team that has drafted so poorly for the last four or five years is now in a spot where they're still a playoff contender. It's wild to think of the wasted, nobody left from the first round in 2020, nobody left in the first round from 2021, no fifth-year options picked up from the first round in 2019. And it's funny because maybe it changes the way you think about some things. Look at what the Rams have done over the course of the last uh, two years. They basically said, hey, let's play like we're in franchise mode in Madden. We're not going to worry about anything, and we're going to find a way to pay everybody, and it works, right? The Rams have a Super Bowl trophy. We sit here and we constantly worry. Like, how many fans look at draft picks that don't pan out and then worry about, well, how are you going to pay people? But then when draft picks do pan out, you're like, well, how are we going to pay to keep them? Like, it's such a lose-lose uh, victim's mentality being a, a, an NFL fan of a team either way. And if you're the Raiders and you just cut Alex Leatherwood a year after being picked in the first round, you have to look around and say, okay, what's the organization thinking? Now, when I hosted the digital draft show for ESPN that year, there was only one pick in every single round. I, I hosted all every single pick that we made. There was one time that the producers got in my ear and they said, stop, 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 stop. We don't have any B-roll, which is the way they tell you they, they need like highlights of a player, but they didn't have any highlights they could run. That one time in the entire draft for all seven rounds was Alex Leatherwood in the first round. Nobody had prepped that Alex Leatherwood might go in the first round. My buddy Mike Golick Jr. laughed at me from across the set. And not in like that, hey, buddy, you got this way, but in that, wow, boy, did you blow this way. We all know the difference. And you look at it and you say, okay, if you are the new regime coming in, if you're Josh McDaniels, if you're Dave Ziegler, you're never going to have more autonomy than you have now. You're never going to have more opportunity to go to Mark Davis and say, sorry, they blew it, than you have today. So you move on. And maybe, just maybe through all of it, it works for the player too. Most of the people that I know around the Raiders that have seen Alex Leatherwood will tell you the same thing. He seemed to lose his confidence. He just never felt like he got comfortable anymore. If he's not comfortable, how can he ever grow? Some people, I, I, look, I, I'm a victim of this too. Like, I love working my ass off. That's how I'm natured. But I will work even harder if I believe that the people I'm working for, the person I'm working for, gets me to a fault in my music career it was the same way like man i'd bust my butt to know every single note but if it was a with a band that that i knew just believed in my abilities boy that just changes a little bit of the pep in your step alex leatherwood's a kid he's a rich kid and he's playing a game that so many people would love the opportunity to play but he's a kid and so according to multiple reports it seems like his confidence was broken in Vegas. Maybe the best solution here is for the player to get a new opportunity, which he now has. He was claimed off waivers by the Bears. And you turn around from the organization standpoint and you say, hey, we got to move on. Because once you've gotten into that mental divide, it's not easy for everybody to fix. There's not like a simple solution for somebody that's got the yips. If you just sort of forget how to do what you've done your whole life or you aren't in an atmosphere where you can do it at your best, sometimes you just got to make a change.
But to do that, you better be secure. You better be self-aware. You better be a coach that understands you got nothing to lose. That's the only way you get out of a first-round pick that quickly. That's the rare situation that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are in. They're in that situation because they have an understanding with Mark Davis of what they're trying to accomplish. See, it takes the owner and the front office being on the same page. I don't think that's the case in Dallas. Now, sure, Dallas isn't out here cutting first-round picks, but Dallas is out here setting the stage of expectations. If you notice, most of the teams in the AFC right now that are sort of lumped in to the playoff conversation, if they're asked about it, what do you hear all the time? Iron sharpens iron. We're going to let our play on the field take care of everything. We don't worry about what anybody thinks. We're just going to go out and be the best version of ourselves. Every other stupid cliche known to man. But that is not the route Jerry Jones has taken. Jerry Jones is being very clear about what he thinks the Cowboys are supposed to accomplish. I like that. Uh, continually reminding that uh, we need to not only get in the playoffs, but we need to get way deep into the playoffs so we got a chance. Uh, I think this team is reflecting that. I think it is a narrative of the team. I think it reflected in our decision-making in the spring, who we kept, uh, who we let go, and who we brought on. So that is the narrative. Yeah. Get in a better spot to stay longer in the playoff. If that is the narrative of expectation from your owner, everybody in the building in Dallas is doomed. I mean, they're not a deep playoff run team, are they? I mean, with no offensive line, as good as Dak was at times last year, no offensive line at all. I can't find the way they made themselves better. And I can at least make the argument that most of the other teams in the NFC East did make themselves better. So I'm looking at a Dallas team and wondering, is anybody on the same page as Jerry? Because, like, what do you do? I don't care what you do for a living. Uh, if you make spreadsheets and your boss comes to you and says, I want you to make spreadsheets today. And you know that on a given day, you can make roughly 20 spreadsheets. And then you turn them into your boss and your boss is like, guys, I was thinking more like 90, 97 spreadsheets today. Like, if you're Elf and you're sitting there trying to figure out the Etch-a-Sketches, but you know that you didn't make enough, like, at some point, that's what Mike McCarthy is. <laughs> He's Will Ferrell sitting around realizing that he only made, like, eight Etch-a-Sketches and everybody else around him made, like, 4,000 that day. What are you going to do? Jerry Jones is, is living in this world where the Cowboys are supposed to be competitive every single year which is no different than the world that Cowboys fans live in when they're supposed to be competitive every single year for a Super Bowl. But realistically, look at the history books. That's all you have to do. Like, it doesn't even have to be a hot take. Just look at the history books, and it'll show you that year in and year out, most of the time since the 90s, the Cowboys aren't really relevant. We just love talking about them because the brand's relevant. The brand is better than the fo uh, The Cowboys are in and out Burger. The brand is better than the product. That's what they are. We'll line up 24-7 to make sure we're getting all the Cowboys' nutrition we possibly can. But at the end of the day, the Cowboys aren't champions. The Cowboys are just a brand worth a ton of money. Now, nothing wrong with that as long as everybody's on the same page. And right now, the more Jerry Jones talks, the more I realize he has no clue what the, what the Cowboys actually look like. And as a result, I don't think he has any clue how tough this season could be. All right, Spain and Fitz coming up. Aaron Donald involved. He invoked his inner Allen Iverson today. You're not going to believe it. I can't believe what he said. He's finally spoken about the helmet thing. 
And we'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz flying solo. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo. You guys can uh, get to me. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit me up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Obviously, uh, always love the uh, love the conversation, the back and forth out there uh, with everybody. So uh, hit me up there and give me your thoughts on it as we uh, continue to take your thoughts on everything going on tonight. Serena Williams, by the way, one set, one of her match, 7-6. She trails in the second set, 3-1 to one right now. So we'll see. She has the serve right now. We'll see how she can hold up as, uh, again, she is up one nothing in the U.S. Open uh, in that match. We'll keep you updated on that. Plus, obviously, throughout the course of the night, there is WNBA playoff action going on. Uh, we'll have a big focus on that uh, as, as the two top seeds both trail one nothing going into tonight's action. So uh, the first game tips off uh, or has tipped off, tipped off at 8 o'clock. Chicago Sky are up 45-26 to on the Connecticut Sun uh, with about two minutes to go in the first half. So uh, the sky up by 19, not a huge surprise to see the home team in front of the home crowd, uh, knowing that uh, there's so much importance not going down 0-2, especially when you've had the two home games in a best-of-five series. So uh, Chicago seems so far to be taking care of business, up 45-26 over Connecticut. Uh, the second game uh, will be later tonight as Seattle will take on the Aces at uh, at 10 p.m. So, obviously, you want to check that out. You can check out that action on ESPN2 as well. So, Candace Parker also having a hoss of a game yet again. Five of six from the floor, 14 points. So, great work by her. She continues to be one of the best stories. And we wondered if Vandersloot would have a maybe a little bit more efficient game. Three of six so far, eight points for her. So, uh, the sky sort of asserting their dominance. In the meantime, got a lot to catch you up on across the sports landscape. So let's go to some quickies. Genie Bus. You know, trying to stir up the drama. It's almost like Genie Bus likes, you know, being a part of an HBO series or something because they're giving us all the offseason drama we could possibly want as everybody has all eyes on the Lakers. In an interview with The Athletic last week, the Lakers' controlling owner made a rather curious claim about Westbrook's first year in L.A. She said he was the best player on the Lakers, citing his effort level and ability to stay on the court. Quote, all I can say is that, from my point of view, Westbrook was our best player last year. He played pretty much every single game, showed up, Worked hard. You know, I would have loved to have seen what this team would have looked like if they stayed healthy. It's really tough to win when Anthony Davis isn't on the court. LeBron was hurt a lot of the season, but Russ showed up every game and played hard every night. And, you know, I just really appreciate for him for who he is and what he brings to the team. And then, later, when asked about it, she said, the word I should have used was consistent, she wrote via text message. He played 78 games last season. Jeannie. How are you going to couch this one to LeBron? I'm genuinely curious. Like, hey, uh, LeBron, I accidentally said in an interview that you weren't the best player on the team. And when he's upset about it, you're like, you know what? I'm going to walk it back. I'm going to walk it back. Don't worry about it. I'll simply say that Russ is more consistent than you are. Really? I would love to know how that goes over. But it also shows that right now all the Lakers are trying to do is massage a bunch of egos, keep everybody happy, and at the same time, try and keep everybody outside looking in, believing that they feel that they have the right core. Realistically, it's so cool to say whatever you want right now. 
the real talking will happen on the court, and that's when things are going to go awry. This Lakers team is a mid mid seed in the West at best, and then we're going to have a real conversation about was LeBron even worth it for one championship in the bubble and then a bunch of mediocre basketball. I, I'm sorry. I love it when the Lakers are good. They are not good right now. Let's go to the next story. Ooh, Michigan football. About to get fried this year. I'm out of Michigan. Totally out. They're going to be okay, but they're judged by one thing, beating Ohio State, and they are nowhere near Ohio State. In fact, need proof? They don't even know who their starting quarterback is. They're going to decide who starts after they see Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy each start one game. So they're going to start the, the, the season by just letting each one go. This is what Harbaugh had to say at his press conference about the quarterback competition. Oh, I don't have it here. We're working on it. We will make sure. In the meantime, we're getting it up right now. In the meantime, part of the reason I'm out on Michigan, uh, they've got it here. This is what Harbaugh said. I mean, it's a it's a process. It is a process. I mean, the, for me to stay, stand up. I mean, no person. I mean, that's biblical. No person knows what the future holds, and um, it's a process, and can be based on performance. You know, both uh, both have been tremendous uh, quarterbacks. We think that that both can. Are, are capable of leading our team to a championship. It's biblical in the sense you're going to need be needing prayers by about halftime of that Ohio State massacre. I mean, it's just, if you don't know who your quarterback is right now and you're Michigan, how? How are you planning on being competitive against one of the best offenses, against a team that's just been sitting there stewing, waiting for this opportunity? Man, I am, I am all in on Ohio State this year in case you haven't been able to figure that out. I conversely am all out on Michigan. And by the time Michigan loses to Ohio State badly, boy, there's going to be plenty of fans that are just turning around saying, was last year a fluke? Oh, it's just the annual Jim Harbaugh conversation. But at some point, you've got to have a quarterback. And I don't believe any of these coaches, I don't care which one it is, that tries to tell you they got two number ones. No, no, you do not. You do not have two number ones. Not when C.J. Stroud is an actual number one and he's playing football in the same conference that you do. Let's go to the next story. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Los Angeles Rams superstar Aaron Donald has spoken out about swinging his helmet. And his quote, very inspired by Allen Iverson, it was just a practice. He went on to even say that his focus is on Buffalo. He doesn't really want to talk about anything that happened at practice. Cool. I mean, that would be my focus, too, if I got busted, like, swinging two helmets at people's heads. If I was one of the biggest brands in football and I just wanted to turn around and be like, hey, guys, yep, rather than say I screwed up, (laughs) no, no, no. I just don't want to talk about it. And the crazy thing is that he's not wrong about one thing. Because it was practice. And because we are so thirsty, myself included, for actual football with actual results that actually counts, the minute he goes out and sacks the quarterback, we will completely forget. Uh, th- th- that's the craziest part about all this. Like, uh, how sure – I'm 100% sure at this point. As, uh, let's say 99.8% because nobody can be 100% sure of anything. That Aaron Donald isn't getting any sort of punishment at all for any of this, right? Like, So he's just going to show up and be like, yep, guys, I do what I want. I do what I want. Aaron Donald out there acting like Eric Cartman at some point. He's just like doing whatever he wants to whoever he wants, however he wants. Nobody can do a thing about it, but it's just practice, so it doesn't count. 
again, these are the moments that if the NFL actually cares about it, and I don't believe they do, they'll find a way to step in because you can tell me that the collective bargaining agreement doesn't let them litigate practice all day long. But last time I checked, Judge Sue L. Robinson's note on punishment for Deshaun Watson makes it very clear that the league has the opportunity to punish for anyone that commits assault against any other person or for anyone that creates a bad look for the league. It seems like beating people with two helmets does that but apparently not to Roger. All right, let's get one more in here. Live golf players have been asked not to wear live go- logos on their PGA Championship uh, events. Uh, a stunning. This is really a stunning realization. I mean, where are we, guys? Like, let's have a little bit of common sense. So I've been lucky enough uh, to be a part of a few different commercials in my life uh, lately for uh, for ESPN this year. Uh, you'll see a little bit of fun Snickers action, a little bit of fun Ram action, Right. And one thing they tell you when you're showing up to the shoot is don't wear any, they call it IP, intellectual property. So don't wear anything with logos on it because those logos aren't going to be supported by those brand partners. That's sort of a common sense thing that you're probably not going to wear a Live Golf shirt to a PGA event. And if anybody really wants to cry about it, like, I, I'm sorry, I just don't have the patience for that. I, I, I don't have the mental space, space for that. Go get you another polo, put something else on it. If you're going to be part of the event, just don't wear live golf. I, I don't think it's a big stretch to say that ESPN probably doesn't want most of their TV personalities wearing Fox Sports on their shirts, right? Like, let's just have a little common sense. That's all I'm saying. You don't walk into a Mercedes dealership to buy a car and have them wearing a Porsche shirt. Nah, a little common sense goes a long way. Golfers have all lost that. In the meantime, the entire Live Golf Tour is going to join Freddie and Fitzsimmons tonight. Every single golfer on the tour. You don't want to miss it. Serena trailing 5-2 in the second set. She won the first set. They'll keep you updated over there, plus WNBA playoffs. Thanks for hanging out with me. I've been Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.